Hello, and welcome to Women With Books. I'm your host, author Lindsay Emery. This podcast is going live on the release date for our guest this week, Megan Frampton. I got her book after we did the podcast, but I cannot wait to dive in, and I know you will too after you hear this great conversation. Unfortunately, I had a problem with the audio at the end, so I had to cut it and you won't be able to hear our full conversation about Nikki Drayden's book, which after Megan was telling me about it, immediately I put that thing on my TBR list. Or you also won't get the lightning round. I know, I know. What is Women With Books without the lightning round? Mea culpa, please forgive me. The tech gods sometimes do not smile upon me. I'm just a writer. I can't. I can't control all these things. Give me another chance. All right. So, y'all know me. I'm, I'm going to do better next time. In the meantime, I just wanted to give everyone a heads up that um, I'm going to be taking a short mini break from Women With Books. Um, I might put in some like little mini episodes over the next few weeks. I'm going to still be recording and still working on things behind the scenes, but, um, y'all this, this show is called women with books and I am a woman with book deadlines. And, uh, if you want more Lindsay Emery books, I gotta, I gotta take some time to, to write and edit them. So, um, just giving you all a heads up. If you want to know uh, when the next shows are coming back, of course, obviously, go ahead and subscribe to wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Um, oh, and while you're there, leave a review. That's awesome. Helps other people find this great podcast. Um, you can also sign up for my newsletter. It's in the show notes. I always say I'm very proud of this newsletter. It's very fun. I always put extra Q&A in there that my guests do for me. Um, I put in other podcast recommendations and, um, you know, direct links to the episodes. So if you're like on the go and you need to find something, you need to share one with someone, you can just pull up that newsletter. So um, that link is in the show notes and I would love for more of you to join the party there. And um, that's about it for this week. So um, enjoy Megan Frampton, y'all. So welcome. Welcome to Women With Books, Megan Frampton. I'm pronouncing that right. That's correct. Yep. Okay. Why don't you tell us about who you are and what you write and or do? Okay. So I'm Megan Frampton. Uh, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I've been writing um, since about 2001, I think, 2002. Uh, I got laid off after 9-11 happened um, because I was working on an event that was downtown New York, and it got entirely rescheduled, but the company lost a lot of money. So after the event was over, a whole bunch of us got laid off, and at the time, my kid was two and a half, I think. And so my husband and I decided that I should maybe stay home with our kid, Reese. And I thought, well, I might go insane if it's just me and Reese hanging out all day. Um, So I decided to start trying to write. I'd always, I'd read a bunch of historical romances, which is what I write, um, up until I went to college. And then 
uh, I was an English literature major, so I didn't read a lot of historical romance. Plus, that's right when they were getting super rapey. And um, I guess I, I didn't, I wasn't smart enough or uh, aware enough to identify what it was that I didn't like about them at the time, but I stopped reading them. But then I went back um, after I got laid off and thought, why not try writing? So I wrote a book and wrote it, rewrote it a few times. It actually sold and I got an agent. Um, and that came out one of the last gasps of the Signet Regency line. It was a traditional Regency. Um, and then after that, it was seven years without a sale. Wow. And I, yeah, <laughs> my current agent is my fourth agent because I, I, my first agent quit the business to go write herself. And she's actually a very successful author. And then second agent didn't work out. Third agent took me on for just one book and that didn't sell. And then my fourth agent took me on and, uh, then she was able to sell a bunch of stuff for me, which was great. And I've been, um, I guess published again since, well, shoot, now I don't remember. I should have looked it up maybe 2012 or so. Yeah. So, um, I write historical romance. I write Regency and early Victorian. Um, right now I'm writing Victorian for Avon and I write some Regency for myself, um, in, I, I've just always liked historical romance. I got, I learned a lot of history through that and yeah, so that's me. I probably talked way too much. No, but. no, it's perfect. What, <laughs> right. you've got a book coming out. Um, I think by the time this podcast releases, it'll have come out. It's, is it Lady Be Reckless? Is that? Yes, it is. Right it's one? the second book. <laughs> yes. Lady Be Reckless, the second book in the Duke's Daughters series. Um, yeah. Tell us about that series or the book. So, that series is kind of um, my riff on the Bennett sisters. Um, if, I was wondering because it's five yeah. daughters, and I'm like, yeah. that seems like an awfully specific yeah. number. Yes, it <laughs> certainly is. I know. I'm nothing if not uncreative. But um, <laughs> yeah, I thought, what if the five Bennett sisters were the daughters of a duke, and what if Lydia had actually run off and hadn't had her reputation? salvaged by Mr. Darcy and it was up to the remaining daughters to try to make decent marriages despite the scandal. So the first book there's been um, Lady Be Bad. The daughter um, is supposed to make a marriage with this one guy but that ends up falling for his rakish brother. Presumes herself to be madly in love with the man that her sister did not end up marrying and but then he was kind of gently tries to let her down and she decides to try to uh, prove that she's really great and wonderful. She's kind of a pain in the ass, honestly. Um, and she tries to bring his best friend into get him accepted into society. And of course, as these things happen, she ends up falling in love with the best friend. So poor Bennett doesn't get um, married at all for the first two books. But in the third book, he ends up with someone. So that's what I just finished writing, which will come out in September. So, And yeah. there's going to be, are you going to have five books in this series? I, or? I don't think so, because I tried to start writing one of the sisters' books, and I really like the characters, but I couldn't figure out the damn conflict. Like, I couldn't figure out why they couldn't be together. And so I actually think it's just going to be four books in this series, but depending on, you know, if anybody really, really wants 
Pearl story, then I'll write it as a novella probably. But um, no, I'm about to start writing the fourth book, fourth and final book in the series, which is actually the story of the disgraced daughter returned home, um, presumably undisgraced. So, well, <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, yeah. And what do you find the easiest part of writing is? Mm. Uh, writing the sex scenes, actually. Um, writing all the kissing and sex stuff is really fun and easy for me because um, they, the characters reveal themselves through that act, which is so instinctive and basic. And it's really fun in historical romance to play a lot with... Um, a woman who doesn't really know what's happening but is observing things and is smart. Um, I've written a few non-virgin heroines, but mostly my heroines tend to be, you know, debutantes or whatever. And so they're like, "What the hell's going on down there?" Um, and I try, <laughs> I try to, yeah. I think that's the easiest part for me is the writing that stuff, um, and it's really fun. And I write dialogue really easily too. It's all the description. Um, I tend to write talking heads floating in space, and then I have to go add the description later on. I I I, I sympathize with that. Me yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 rough. And then I realize I haven't really described what this person looks like. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, but there are just some authors that do a lot of description and some don't. So I mm-hmm. will just put myself on one end of that spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> I describe the hero a lot usually and in fact I can't start writing the book until I know this is so lame until I know precisely what the hero looks like uh and it's always either a model or a an actor and so I have that person in my mind and often I even name the character after them so you know I've had Michael Fassbender and I had a Michael hero um Edward from Lady Be Reckless is not is uh, based after, what's his name, Aiden, the guy from Poldark. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Aiden, yeah. Aiden Poldark. <laughs> yeah, Aiden Poldark, yeah. Um, and I don't even watch Poldark, but I thought his wild hair and kind of brash demeanor suited the character well. So, um, and, and he's Bennett, always not shaven. Yeah, 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 and this, this, the hero in Lady Be Reckless is, a bastard, an actual illegitimate guy. And so he's a little rough around the edges and kind of deliberately so. And so that's that's what I thought suited him. So um, I'm actually about to start writing the fourth book, Della's book. And I know when I wrote sample chapter that I had someone in mind. And now I, for the life of me, I can't remember who it was. And it's driving me nuts because I can't start writing the book until I know what he looks like. Um, so anyway, yeah. Do you use Pinterest for keeping all the I don't, inspirations? You know, I did, but honestly, I just kind of find one picture and keep it in my mind. It's really, yeah, it's as easy and simple as that. Um, it doesn't really, I don't have to go look at it again or anything like that. I just have it, and then it's in my mind's eye when I write. Oh, that's so. amazing. And what about the heroines, though? Heroines, I often usually also have uh, an actress. I think, let's see, Olivia, shoot, who was she? She was kind of a little bit like Emma Stone, I think. Um, Dimples and and, 
wide-eyed enthusiasm. Um, and then the book I just turned in, she looks a lot like uh, Jessica, what's her name? Jessica Ritter from, oh no, from Jessica Jones, Kristen Ritter. That's her name. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she's that like gloriously stark black and white. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do have the heroine, but it, that's less important, but, um, but also I need to know who she looks like as well. Yeah. So even if we don't describe her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he, you know, the hero usually doesn't remark on the, the beauty of her eyes. He's looking at other stuff. Because <laughs> That's true. I try to write from a, you know, I mean, yes, he's going to notice, but he's also going to notice the other stuff. So, yeah. That is true. I remember I read a book once and it, the dude was just going on and on about the description of her. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do and that. that's, I, that's where it's fun too. Um, I was just talking about this the other day where I have heroes that don't always, aren't always uh, super up on fashion. And so they'll talk about, you know, the weird little scarf thingy that she wraps around her, which is a fichu in Regency terms. And then, or also something, you know, but that's what he would think. He wouldn't think, oh, she put her fichu on. That's just not something he would know the word for necessarily, unless he had sisters. And I think when I wrote it, he didn't. So, or he yeah, I try dandy. to keep, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. He might know then, but then you have to establish that in the character. Um, so yeah, he might notice she's got nice eyes, but usually he notices, you know, what her skin looks like and what he thinks it might feel under his fingers and all that other stuff. So, so what you just said right then, I recognize that word because I do read a lot of historical <laughs> romance, but I don't write it. So that to me is in t- terribly intimidating that you guys have to know all these words mm-hmm. that are from this other world. Um, do you have to research them or do you, by this point you just kind of know all about the Regency and early Victorian era? Yeah, I do a tiny bit of research, but not really a lot, which actually probably people reading my books would be able to pick up on because um, I write wallpaper historicals, um, which is to say that they're kind of the backdrop, but they're not, the, the times are not crucial to the story. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not ashamed to say that, although it's used as a pejorative, but uh, I mostly, because I've read so much of it and because I really like history so much and I watch historical dramas all the time, I kind of do just know it. And I do often kind of go look for like one or two pieces of information around that time that I can embed to, to anchor it more firmly in the historical period, but I don't spend a ton of time doing it. Um, I'm trying to think, oh, for, uh, I think for Lady Be Reckless, I did investigate inheritance laws and what the guy would be, what his name would be and, you know, what legal rights he had as, as the illegitimate son of this gentleman who Actually, he's a really great dad, which um, I wanted to do, too. Uh, but I don't really do a ton of research. So. I, I don't know if I've ever heard the term wallpaper. What, wallpaper oh, historicals? really? Wallpaper historicals? Yeah. But, I might, but I'm not in the, the Beaumont. So. Oh, right. <laughs> well, that's... so wallpaper historicals are like where it's just the setting. It's not, yeah. you know, there are people that write super intense, um, true to the period, uh historicals i'd put and some of my favorites um i just don't write those i'd say people like joanna Bourne writes those um 
Sherry Thomas, I think, uh, Courtney Milan, and then the Beverly, people. What's Beverly that? Jenkins. Beverly Jenkins. Beverly Jenkins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then people that write wallpaper are me, uh, probably Lisa Klapas, Julia Quinn. Julie Quinn's probably where people came up with the term because she just writes. It's just so, it's just such a light touch. Um, I'd say Sarah McLean writes kind of in the middle uh, where it's true to the period, but it's also, actually, I wouldn't, nah, she's, she's much more true to the period. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, light. It's generally a lighter book with uh, characters that, perhaps sound too modern. I know I've been dinged for that, um, reviewers. Rightly so. I do write in fairly modern vernacular. I try to make it, I try to think about how somebody at that time is just like maybe me, only, you know, 30 years younger and maybe the daughter of a duke. But, uh, but try to think of universal emotions and then expressing that. And so I don't worry so much about the authenticity. Um, so, yeah. And I don't want to paint her with this brush if it's pejorative but when I had Tessa Dare on the podcast Mm -hmm. she kind of we kind of brushed uh, or talked about this and she kind of likened it to writing in fan fiction so that the Regencies Mm. at this point everyone kind of knows the rules of the world it's um you know there's canon about the dukes and the this and the that yeah and that you guys can kind of just move your characters in and play around in that in that world and so when that's she a really good me, way to put it yeah yeah when she put it to me like that I thought well maybe that is something I could do oh maybe. absolutely <laughs> I mean yes if if you have a liking for any particular period I mean I just think anybody anybody can write in it it's good not to <clears throat> like like uh, Tessa said there there is canon there are things you absolutely cannot do that will throw me out of a historical story um, but Mostly, um, mostly if you know the rudiments of it and you just try to make sure that you don't color outside of the very particular, you know, the few lines that are there, it's really fine. Um, and yeah, Tessa's right. It's like fan fiction because this world is totally created. There aren't dukes with six pack abs walking around. (laughs) I mean, come on now. So. And hundreds of them. Yeah. Hundreds hundreds of of them them. to choose from. I know. Right. I know. It's ridiculous, but delightful. So, yeah. It is. Well, and I have a question for you that I kind of want to write, ask every historical romance author. And maybe it's just because I've just read three of them back to back. But uh, how do you come up with all the names and titles when you're writing your 12th Duke book? Uh, I mean, yeah. at some point you're like, Duke of Cheltingham yeah. again. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, uh, for me, I... For a while there, I was finding, um, I would reverse it. So family names I would use as town names, and town names I used as family names. Um, and then sometimes, yeah, I don't even know. I just kind of, I think I looked at last names, British last names. I'd be like, okay, fine, that that's fine, whatever. Because it doesn't come up a lot. People would call them by other names and... Um, you know, they all had like a gazillion titles. So it depended on who, what the relationship of the person was, depended on how they addressed them. Like if they knew them from school, because um, they'd go off to 
Eton or Oxford, they would have been called probably by their uh, familial last name, but they wouldn't have been called by their title because they wouldn't have been inherited yet because presumably their father, the Duke, was still alive. So it, it yeah, it's just That's the kind thing. of It a, makes it more complicated because each hero has to have like four names. Yeah. Because yeah. invariably he was a lesser son and then his older brother died and then he's uh-huh. like... <laughs> I know it's awful. I don't even know, but and also, actually, I'm terrible at titles, and um, uh, my critique partner is great at it, so she fixes all of them for me. Thank God, and that's why it's important to have a, a good critique partner who does what you often can't do. So, yeah, maybe you should just recycle some, see if anyone yeah. notices. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, yeah. Well, didn't you have him before? Ah, eh, whatever. Mr. It's hereditary. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I although I could, then that would mean that somebody would die, and I would hate to, I hate to think of my characters dying. That's why I don't think I could ever write a son of a current person. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like even, um, I think Loretta Chase wrote Second Generation, and I think Julia Quinn's written Second Generation. And sometimes they're the parents have been alive, but I don't really want to think of them as like getting older. I just want to think of them as permanently ensconced in their youthful blush of love. And so I don't, yeah, no Second Generations for me. Yeah, I was going to say another, I, uh, I can't think of her right now. Another one, um, oh, I'll think of it later. She's written multiple generations of the same family. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I've, I've bought it because I'm like, oh, I love those people. And then I kind of open it with trepidation because I'm like, I don't want to see this, the yeah. hero who I was so dashing and awesome in the first book. I don't want to see him being like this middle-aged dude, dad. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. I don't want that either, no. But uh, she, you know, I think she had a, the daughter run off and go to Egypt or something. So I, oh, you, okay. didn't have, you didn't have much of the dad. Oh, that's good, yeah. Yeah. Well, what about your, um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was your, you're very good with puns. Yes. It, yeah. Was that something you learned at an early age or, or do you have to work at this talent? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's something I've always had. Um, my dad was a huge uh, dictionary freak and word freak. And so we would sit around and like do puns with each other. And plus we also listened to a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan which is, um, yeah, 19th century pair that wrote farce. And so we actually would sing all of um, Patience to each other and recite all the lines and stuff. And so I think I got it from my dad. Um, he wasn't actually very good at puns himself, but he, but he did like them. And wordplay was something that he, he and I shared a lot. Um, and I stayed with him after my parents split up, so it was just us, and we'd sit around and talk all the time. So yes, I I definitely got that, and I tend to, when I listen to stuff, I tend to see the words, so then I um, split them apart and find out what th- things sound like each other, and I do anagrams all the time. It's 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 kind of awful, but great in, <laughs> in some of its results. Um, so yeah. Well, pun titles are kind of having a moment, too, in historical mm-hmm. romance. I mean, you've done a few, and um, I was looking at them. No Groom at the Inn. I love yeah. that Yeah, oh, so my much. God. I know. I love that one, too. That just I was kind made of me howl. Oh, thank you. 
because yeah. I love puns. I don't think I'm very good at coming up with them. Um, or at least I get really weird looks when I try. Um, well, yeah. Good well. Earls go bad. I love yep. that. But do you ever, is one of these, you know, one of your cohorts at Avon or when they come up with one, do you go, oh, I wish I Oh, totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Sarah McLean has had a bunch. The Rogue Not Taken is, yes. is amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, but yes, often. I think Lenora Bell has had a few that I've really liked. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, they're very clever. So, and actually, um, my next series, after I finish the Duke's Daughter series, is going to be called The Hazards of Dukes. And which, I saw that and I uh, yeah, crackled. Yeah, I love yes. it. And actually, my husband came up with that because I was talking to um, a friend on the phone and she's like, well, how about the Dukes of Hazard?" I'm like, well, it's got all that Confederate crap. And I don't, <laughs> you know, and Hazard is a, is a game, yes. is a card game. But that's kind of obscure a little bit. Nobody, people aren't going to immediately know. And I just was like, eh, I don't want to go there. And Scott's like, what about the Hazards of Dukes? Oh, my God. So, yeah. So props to Is Scott. Is it two brothers and a daughter or a sister? No. Um, it's, or do you not know yet? No, it's completely unrelated. It just happens oh, okay. to be, you know. <laughs> no, it should be, right? But no. No. Although, it do, you know, it does have two guys and a girl so far, but they're cousins, I think. Um, it's about, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be about a, um, a Duke who's, who actually wasn't legitimately married to his second wife. So the person that thinks he's the Duke isn't. And so somebody else inherits his cousin and it turns everything upside down because of, yeah. So that. You have to come um, up with so many names. I know. Oh my God. I know. I know it's going to be awful. <laughs> That's where I'm like, Oh, maybe he'll look like, you know, Brad Pitt. Oh, I can't have him named Brad or whatever, but yeah. I, I will, I'll just share one of my things. I will look up on my bookshelves. So like I'm in my office and I have my bookshelves and if I can't think of a name, I'll look up and I'll be like, I don't know. There's a Maya Rodale or something. I'm like Maya. Mm -hmm. And then I look for another book. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Stephen Ambrose. Right. Right. Maya Ambrose. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maya Ambrose. Yeah. 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 And so now that I've told that, people who can read my books will automatically start seeing these connections. (laughs) Well, I used to name them a lot after um, iterations of my friends and critique partners. Um, So uh, my friend Moretta Robins, her Robins often appears as a butler. Um, So I just stick her in there. And then I've used, I think I used uh, my maiden name, Mrs. McLaughlin, and... um, I forget. I've put other friends and such in there and, you know, kind of just secretly tuck them in. Um, but yeah. Do you tell just, them about it? Uh, do sometimes. You, do they have to find it? <laughs> they kind of have to find it. Um, uh, Maretta always notices because she reads my books, of course. So she'll be like, oh, I saw that. I get to, I get to show up. Um, and she actually wrote a, a book where Lady Frampton is a, is a kind of, talkative lady who always wears black and I'm like oh really okay good that's me yeah (laughs) kind of feisty um so yeah so that's I mean oh actually my favorite naming one was when I um in My Fair Duchess I named the hero Archibald because 
Cary Grant's real name was Archibald Leach. It was, and, yeah. And so I named him Archie, thinking how hysterical it was that such a, you know, ridiculously good man, good-looking man was named Archie. Like, that just seems silly. So I thought that would be fun. Um, yeah. That's the thing about, I think, with historical romance authors, because y'all are running out of names. And mm-hmm. so you do have to, like, kind of be true to history and pick these. Yep crazy names and then I'm like I don't think I find that sexy and then the challenge is making it sexy (laughs) yeah yeah in uh one-eyed dukes are wild the hero's name is first name is a secret until the last I don't know last third or so of the book and it's a really obscure name and it's kind of ridiculous and it's it yeah I mean I don't want to spoil it for anybody but you don't you only know him by his familial name through the whole thing and then she finally asks him what his name is and he's really embarrassed. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, and how he lost his eye cuz he is one-eyed um is also a secret. Uh something uh, another fun fact that my husband shared with me is the the real life inspiration for how that guy lost his eye, but I don't want to say that either. Okay. It spoils it. So, we'll have to anyway. read it. Yeah. So after all of this, after all these challenges, what do you love most about writing historical romance? I love, uh, I love playing within the lines, and which is to say that I like to look at the traditional constructs, the canon, as Tessa Dare would say, and I like to flip it um, often. Uh, I am interested in power dynamics between people, class. Uh, I always have to write the power balance, um, write it as in R-I-G-H-T, not W-R-I-T-E, um, because it, at that time, women had no rights, barely. You know, sometimes they almost sort of did, but so it was unequal, unequal when they would fall in love, so I always like to make um, the power give her much more of the power. So she's usually the one who initiates the first kiss. She's usually the one who, who says, all right, let's, you know, let's do it or whatever, because otherwise it seems like he's enforcing his power on her. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really like, that's what I really like about writing is playing with class and backgrounds and education and and the roles of men and women I've so far and probably likely forever I only write um male female romance um so I find that that dynamic really interesting and I think it's probably I don't know I don't want to say easier but you know for those people who write contemporary romance especially in this day and age when many of us are facing you know there's so many movements going on right now and and we've we've got to address those um Mm -hmm. those realities and and the the power structures that are here and I know a lot of romance authors are are talking online about how do we write a romance in 2018 that is addressing all of this and is still you know emotionally and and hormonally satisfying yeah um yeah. but i i think again taking these issues that we care about um the power the class and putting them in historical dynamic um you know where you you can kind of play with it and we mm-hmm. know maybe it might be a little unrealistic but mm-hmm. um we can get that happy ending without having to worry about 
the who's going to show up on the New York Times the next day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, um, Lady Be Reckless. So this book that's that that'll be out by the time this airs is uh, me writing a social justice warrior. Um, my heroine is always determined to do the right thing, and she blasts into situations without understanding the nuances of what's going on, similarly to what I think I've done as a, I mean, to get political for a second, as a white Northeastern cishet woman, um, I feel like I've, I've thought about things in a black and white way, and I don't mean race, but I mean in a, in a you know, this is good, this is bad way, without always right. considering the nuances of things and how maybe my participation or my notice of it isn't going to actually help. So I have Olivia, my heroine, be, and I, I didn't plan to write that actually. It just kind of came up because of what I was going through in my own um, awareness is she's, she really does and say some stupid things that are, um, what am I? I'm a writer and I can't think of the damn word. Um, that are insensitive because she's trying so hard. And eventually she learns and she gets humbled. And I hope that I am better than I was. But that's along the same lines of what you're saying. But, you know, of course, I don't have to put in a current gentleman who may or may not end up being a blackguard at the end, you know, in real life. <laughs> so, or have behavior like that that isn't, um, yeah, anyway. So that's my tangent on that. But she is, she's my social justice warrior and it's, um, she was fun to write, but I know some people really, uh, from a, a few advanced reviews have talked about how unlikable she is and she can be definitely. Um, but I, I felt like I wanted to talk about that cause I want so hard for my characters to do the right thing, but sometimes they do the right thing in the wrong ways. So. Well, I like um, I like writing unlikable people too. So <laughs> if she's unlikable, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's an un, it's a realistic person who is sometimes yeah. unlikable. Yeah, because we make mistakes and um, we say the wrong things and we come at it from the wrong perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, but that's that's how you get in a character arc. Is yeah, you yeah. Got to have some place to go with that. If you're um, perfectly informed and perfectly spoken and um, do the right thing all the time, it's that's kind of a boring character in my yeah. opinion yeah yeah um, oh I agree I agree there's no conflict where... and there's no wincing of an embarrassment for the character or whatever so yeah but you have dipped a toe into contemporary um yes books before as um Megan Cal Megan Caldwell Is that... yep yeah that's my grandmother's you... maiden name so yeah oh I, I, I just assumed it was a family name of some kind yeah. um yeah. would you go back into that or I would love to. It's um, it's just a matter of time. I have right. uh, the follow-up to that book didn't sell to William Morrow, and then I ended up getting published in a historical. I would love to. And I've actually written, um, I just wrote something, a contemporary short story for a new project that is coming out in May related to the royal wedding. Um, so I got to actually write contemporary there, which was really fun because there were cell phones and, you know, I didn't have to find <laughs> excuses for the, the two characters to be alone together. Unlike, you know, all the broken carriages and um, such that you have to 
finagle to get the hero and heroine together alone. So yeah, I would definitely go back to that. Awesome. Can you talk about that new project or? Oh yeah, sure. It's <laughs> so it's a, uh, there's a company called Serial Box, which is S-E-R-I-A-L and they do serials, serial fiction. And I'm one of five writers that is working on a project related to the royal wedding. And so we have a fictional world where people are running around um, involved with the royal wedding that happens in May. And my characters are a uh, super royals fan from America and a, um, I can't spoil who he is, but he's a Scottish gentleman that she meets in a, in a pub. Um, Sean Connery? Yeah, no. <laughs> I wish From 30 I could years ago? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so their, and their stories intersect with the other four authors that we have on board. So we came up with a whole, you know, bunch of events that happen with uh, right around that time. And we were each writing about 10,000 words and they're going to release. Um, I think the first two get released and then it's one per week until we have a finale of where everybody's together. So that's, that's what I just did. Um, that sounds so fun. It, it was delightful to work on. And um, I went on a retreat last week and wrote it a 10,000 word story in two days. And I have never done that before. And it was exhausting and fun because I could just go for it. And I didn't have to worry too much about, you know, so much conflict or whatever, because we'd already plotted everything out. Um, yeah. Which is cool. I'd never written that way before. It was great. Well, it sounds like you need some more contemporary in your life, Megan. Yeah, I know. I would, I would like to. And your agent just yelled at me for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I know. I know. I know. I would like to. Uh, we'll see if I find time. Um, yeah. I got to start Let's the, go on retreats. Yeah, go on, <laughs> all of them. Yes, I'll go on all the retreats. I know. Well, are you are you a Royals fan? Are you are you excited? Uh, honestly, Royals? no, okay. <laughs> not at all. I I uh, I mean, I thought it was pretty funny. Give you know, I am interested, of course, and I'm a total Anglophile, and I will watch any historical drama. But I don't seem to care about the current. Um, royals family although it is when you look at it with Meghan markle and prince harry it's it's a total fairy tale i mean uh, american woman and british prince and she gets her happy ever after and i mean it's just it's fantastic um so i can see the magic of it i just don't personally have a lot of too much interest in it i like seeing all the clothes um but yes. that's about it yeah yeah and i was the crazy actually hats Confession, I was actually looking for a blog the other day. I was like, I just want to see Meg pictures of Megan's clothes. I know. Yeah, she went on, uh, she and Harry did some did some uh, meet and greet or something, and she had the best boots on. And I was like, I love those boots. They would look terrible on me, but they look great on her. Um, yeah, so the clothes are great. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I, I honestly really don't care. But that's okay. Other people yeah. love it, and I'm happy for them. Well, let's get into the books you like to read instead of the ones okay. you like to write. Um, was there a book that was formative or changed your life? Uh, in hindsight, I would say yes. And I would say it's Jane Eyre um, because Jane is somewhat unlikable. It's um, And she finally ends up with her totally damaged 
uh, some people would say psychopathic <laughs> Rochester, and, but that character, I really liked him. And uh, I love how strong she is and how she stood up for herself, um, despite having absolutely no power in that relationship. Because as, as a poor, plain governess, my God. Uh, so I'd say probably Jane Eyre, yeah. And I've written uh, The Duke's Guide to Correct Behavior is a governess-duke romance, and that's based, you know, me thinking about the, that power um, of Jane Eyre. So, yeah, I think probably that. Yeah. What's your favorite um, movie version of Jane Eyre? Oh, you know, I might say the Fassbender Mia, and I don't know how to say her last name, Mia Wasikowska. Wachkowska. Good luck with that. Yes. Yeah. That's how you I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I like that version because I feel like uh, Fassbender brings a menace to Rochester. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's not nearly as ugly as required in the book, but and the only one that's come close to being that ugly, I guess, is Kieran Hines. And I also like that version. I like the Timothy Dalton version, even though, my God, Timothy Dalton was beautiful. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find me handsome? No. And I'm like, are you, are you high? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I I don't, I don't think there's been a perfect version yet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Those green eyes. (laughs) Um, So I don't think there's been a perfect version yet, but I also don't think it is possible to have a perfect version because it is a very long book that goes through a lot of what Jane goes through and it would have to be like a mini series. And I think that would honestly be kind of boring. So, yeah. uh, I guess the Fassbender version. Okay. Well, uh, while we're on the topic, what's your favorite Pride and Prejudice version? Mm. And again, you know, I'm totally going outside of what I should be, but I think the 2005 with Matthew McFadden and Kara Knightley, I think because I like the way Matthew McFadden plays Darcy as basically a social anxiety um, guy who just can't figure out how to talk to people. Um, yes. He's just that's him. That's, that's yeah. definitely the character right there. Well, although I, you know, I think the character can be translated in a bunch of different ways. I just happen to really like that iteration of it. Like the, the uh, stiffly proud Colin Firth in the other PNP is fantastic as well, but he doesn't touch on the social anxiety part but he does touch on the feeling of being aloof from people. So I think it's, it's the interpretation of the character. Um, for me, I like it better the way Matthew McFadden did it, but I also, obviously, I mean, the Colin Firth version is splendid. So it's hard to, it's hard to choose, but Matthew McFadden is, is actually more my type too, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're all gorgeous to look at on yeah. weekends yeah. when you... Have some free time or you're feeling yep. sick, just pop that yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> yep, absolutely. So when people ask you for book recommendations, is there a book or some an author that you always recommend? Uh, no. Um, and I think that's because sometimes, like, I have absolute favorites, but I read a, in a variety of genres, so I would have to find out from the person what they're looking for. Like, if they want 
if they say, oh, you write historical romance, I've never read it, what would you recommend? I'd probably recommend Loretta Chase. But if they said, I like contemporary and, and or I've never read a romance, well, then I might still recommend Loretta Chase. But um, <laughs> like, it all depends on the person that I'd be recommending to, because I've read some stuff that, that unless you're within the romance genre and you understand its, its parameters, you're going to think is crazy pants. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, oh, wait, you wanted, so I just read the uh, Ice Planet Barbarians book. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't know if you know that one. Did you read that? No. Yes. And immediately when you said there's something that yeah. someone wouldn't get, I was yeah. thinking of that book. <laughs> yeah. A seven foot tall blue barbarian on a crazy cold planet like what'd you think oh i really liked it so i read the first one because i bought it when it was on sale and then i told my friend liz about it and she is uh has kindled unlimited and she's now read all 17 of them like within two weeks she just was like oh my god this is the best thing ever but Neither one of us would recommend that to anybody that didn't already read romance and understand that that was something that, you know, could happen. Um, so the amount of time that's been spent on this podcast talking about Ice Planet Barbarians uh-huh. is like so much because every I've had at least four episodes where people are like, I really love this series. And yeah. so it does not surprise me that um, that you're saying it too, because people yeah. just love it. It's so fun. It's like it's it's got it's takes away all the need for all this external stuff there's not a ton of character development it's just the building of the relationship and it's why you know the for some people the essential reason of why we read romance to find that connection um and yeah so i you know i read mostly romance but i also read uh fantasy and so if the person asking me it really depends on what the person wants from a recommendation. Um, and I do love talking books. Um, but there's no one that I would recommend, like, you know, sine qua non or whatever, just across mm-hmm. the board. It really depends. What, what, ha- what else have you been reading lately? Uh, I'm reading my Rita books, so I can't talk about them. I know. Um, Me too. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, and then actually I got the new Loretta Chase, so I'm going to read that. I just read, oh, you, you know, know, I I'm read, so um, mad. I was at a, I, we had a holiday book club where everyone has to bring a book and you have like uh-huh. a, a swap, a gift swap. And I Ooh. had that Loretta Chase in my hand and mm. I think Lorraine Heath brought it and it was stolen and then it was frozen and I couldn't get it. Oh, I still need to get that. No, it's okay. Yeah. I'm just sorry. I, I, you, you said that I had some PTSD from having a little bit <laughs> taken uh-huh. from me. <laughs> I, I can see where that would be traumatic. It was. Um, I just read, so I've been in kind of a reading slump over the past year or so because of, you know, spoiler alert, political situation. Um, yeah. So it's been really hard for me to get into reading, but I did just read a, a book that I think started to pull me out of it, and it's called To 100 by Melissa Blue. Um She's an author that I talk with on Twitter and her book, I think this was either free or discounted and I picked it up and um, it's contemporary. It's erotic, but not like super, it's not erotica or it's just erotic. It's hot, I guess. I actually wouldn't say it's erotic. It's hot. Um, 
but it was really good and the characters were great and I really liked them and it was totally fun and it was so far out of what I was writing at the time it was just perfect it was like a little breath of fresh sexy air so I like that a lot um, and then I have I uh, have the I have the second Alicia Rider read which I haven't read yet and um, a whole bunch of stuff on my Kindle because I uh, I used to buy about a book every day or so based mm -hmm. on sales and stuff I stopped that in August um, because I'm determined to get through my TBR pile uh, and I also borrow from the library all the time so I have a ton of stuff to read and yeah but those are the ones I've read recently. Yeah. I'm oh, and I read a Son of the Bear Shifter too, which <laughs> which was a hoot and a half. It was really witty, uh, fun, sparkling dialogue with a you know really super grumpy bear shifter hero, and his heroine is a fox, fox shifter. <laughs> I know. See, you can't can't talk about this stuff without like realizing just how ludicrous it is but how fun it is nonetheless but hey we all deserve something fun and something yeah. completely awesome so yeah yeah um, I, but you're not the only one who had a reading slump in 2017 yeah. um i've talked to other people who have and i was kind of in one i just i had a lot of dnfs do not finishes mm -hmm. um and so i'm not really sure what it was if it was me not writing things or um, mm -hmm. not being yep. able to find stuff. But, yeah, I think it's just giving yourself permission just to read what you like and, yeah. um, you know, screw the screw anyone else who says they yeah. can't do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what book or genre would people be surprised that you like? Uh, you mentioned fantasy. Would yeah, I read fantasy. That you like that? I don't know. I don't know if I, – I think – um, I like historical mysteries a lot, but that's probably not a surprise either. Um, no, I don't know that. I mean, I've read some science fiction. And I like that stuff a lot. I read um, N.K. Jemison. She won the Hugo two years in a row. Um, and I like that. I don't know if that would be surprising or not. I like reading I so. about places and I like reading about other worlds, whether it's Victorian England or an ice planet, or um, a made-up science fiction world. Um, I like reading about other worlds, which is why actually the one, the genre I read the least probably in romance is contemporary, but when I do read it and I find something I really like, it's so exciting for me, because uh, real life can be difficult, and I like it when I can read something that is in real life that isn't terrible. <laughs> Yeah. So. And, you know, there's there's so many connections there between, I think you just drew it, that science, sci-fi, fantasy, historical romance have in common, that they mm -hmm. take you to another world. And I think going back to our discussion earlier is that they all, you can deal with modern day issues in a way that, you know, can be satisfactory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're talking yeah, about um, gender equality on another planet, you can be like, right. yeah, that, that's totally yeah, I can write that. Well, so interestingly, um, one of my favorite directors, uh, shoot, what's his name? He, he did, um, uh, he's a Chinese director and he writes, he directs a lot of what's called wuxia, which is historical 
I think, if I'm getting it right, historical Chinese drama that has some sort of magical element to it. He directed House of Flying Daggers. Um, uh, let me see. I'm looking it up right now to find out his name because it's going to drive me insane. So he, oh, Zhang Yimou. Um, so he, you know, Chinese, China has a somewhat oppressive regime. So he explores all those political ideas within historical context. So they can't say he's making like a propaganda film. Oh. Um, so it's always, so that's like, I like reading about that kind of stuff within other worlds to see what other people are doing. Um, he's, his movies are breathtakingly beautiful. He does, he's, he sees color like nobody else. Um, he did the opening ceremony at the Beijing Olympics. If, if anybody remembers amazing. though, those, yeah. yeah. So he, he and directed that. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so I really like that. And I find, you know, a lot of those themes are universal, whether it's N.K. Jemison writing about uh, in the Hundred Thousand Kingdoms or uh, her Broken Earth trilogy, um, or me writing historical romance or uh, Ice Planets about that kind of uh, power shift and importance of representation. Um, so, yeah. That's, and that's I'm why I like him a lot. Going to check those movies out. Um, oh yeah, be, House of Flying Daggers is so beautiful. My I God, I used to be more into Asian cinema, but then mm -hmm. I had kids, and I don't get to watch. Yeah, fun. And then they go to anymore. college, and you get to and then watch you get things. to watch them again. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, but yeah. one one thing I've been doing a lot of thinking about recently is uh, how romance can be subversive, mm -hmm. and um, kind of in a way that no one takes us seriously so we can put things in our books and kind of you know yep. talk to our audience without the outside like enthusiastic noticing. consent and yes yeah yeah all that stuff yeah um but i had never really thought about the same being true for sci-fi and fantasy probably because i don't read as widely in those genres but mm -hmm. um i bet a lot of sci-fi and fantasy fans and authors out there would probably agree with me that you can hide an awful lot in plain sight <laughs> oh yeah I think so <clears throat> I think so and I think that's you know for authors like um N.K. Jemison definitely uh writes that stuff in her books and um and I'm gonna total totally mess up her name but it's Nettie N-N-E-D-I her last name is O'Kara for she also won the Hugo so she does that too in her books um and then I read one that was really cool, set in South Africa, sort of near future, by a woman named Nikki Drayden. Um, and she, she writes fantasy, well, it was sort of fantasy. I, I, it, was really, it was really cool. And she wrote about all that kind of stuff, uh, political mm -hmm. shift, power, you know, subversive stuff the way we do in romance. Um, but within her science fiction. Thank you for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. And if you want to share your love of a book with the world, you can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment. Or, this is the fun part, I have an actual phone number in our show notes. Call, leave a message about a book that you love and you want the world to know about, and I will try to play your voicemail on the air so that you can be a part of this podcast, which, after all, is all about reading and readers. This is Lindsay Emery on Women With Books. Keep reading.